you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. Simone, it is good to hear your voice again. I hope that you stayed dry, um, you know, and kind of made it through Cristobal, our first tropical storm of the season. It is kind of off to a busy season, this Atlantic hurricane season. Jacques, I think um, we'll have some executive privilege here. We need to bring somebody on the show who explains these storm names to us. Um, if they're just old soap opera fans or, but do you know what the next one is? You know what the next one is, right? Oh, I don't know. What is it? It's Dolly. Okay. Well, I hope Dolly, you know, has a very merry time out in the Atlantic and then goes north. You know, Dolly. You've seen Dolly. You and I have seen Dolly. Oh, seen Dolly, listened to Dolly, you know, just love Dolly, her podcast, Dolly Parton's America. You know, I don't plug a lot of other podcasts on this show, but if you're going to listen to one podcast, highly recommend you listen to Dolly Parton's America. She is, you know, a national treasure and her name cannot be followed with, um, you know, a storm in any way. So, so yes, let's hope that Dolly is as sunny and bright as um, Dolly Parton herself and just Moses along out to the Atlantic. But yes, glad to see that, you know, seems like any kind of damage from Cristobal um, was uh, <laughs> minimal. You know, I know there was a lot of conversation on um, Twitter and, and news about how to pronounce it. So um, yeah, it's interesting. But, um, but yeah, we're actually going to talk about storms and hurricanes and preparedness uh, today with two guests that are giving us each very unique um, but very interesting angles into um, hurricane preparedness and, and, and storms and, and education. So um, let's welcome our first guest, who is a first-time guest of Delta Dispatches. And I love that we've, we're having so many new first-time guests, even during this time um, of you know recording from home. But welcome to the show, Katie Gruz, Campaign Manager with Restore the Mississippi River Delta and also with Environmental Defense Fund. Hi, Jacques. Hi, Simone. Thanks for having me. Katie, do you feel like you're already part of the show since you and Jacques usually operate in such close quarters? Or um, or what, what are your thoughts about, about the show and being a first-time guest? Um, yes, in the before times, Jacques and I share an office together, and I do miss that. And um, you know, I'm really impressed with all this all this recording setup virtually. It's really impressive that you've kept it going like this. Um, and I'm very happy to be on too. And you can't so I will say, <laughs> Katie usually sees me frantically running out of my office on a Thursday afternoon trying to get to the studio um, and not be late for the show. So that's the side of the show that Katie has seen so far. But well, I'm glad you're on. So Katie, you now live in the bayou, but you grew up in the Bay. Um, tell us the Bay Area, for those who may not be aware. Um, tell us what brought you to Louisiana. Yeah, so I was born and raised in San Francisco in California. Um, and I came to Louisiana for college, actually. I went to Loyola University here, um, and I loved it so much. That's awesome. And you're no stranger to coastal and environmental issues. Um, you know, you even before working with Restore the Mississippi River Delta, you were involved and you work for New Orleans Office of Resilience and Sustainability, as well as the organization Ripple Effect. So tell us a little bit about your kind of prior experience and your work in some of these other places. 
Yeah. Um, so I kind of was a born environmentalist in California. I like to joke, they teach us how to recycle before they teach us how to write. And so I've always been really interested in environmental issues. And um, when I finished college in New Orleans, I pursued my master's degree. I moved to New York, realized I missed New Orleans so much and I had to get back here. So I came back to start a career here and kind of make a permanent home and was lucky enough to work with the Office of Resilience and Sustainability in City Hall. Um, kind of, an, It was really interesting. It was a new program working a lot on water infrastructure in the city and kind of implementing a resilience strategy the city had created. And at the same time as I was doing that, I got to work um, doing operations with Ripple Effect, which is a nonprofit that works with educators across the city to create a curriculum that's place-based and um, all about environmental education. And it's really cool. They use real world issues, real coastal issues that we deal with and water issues in the city and design this amazing, really engaging curriculum around it. And so that was that was a very, very cool position, um, working with some amazing teachers and every now and then having events with very cute and intelligent kids. Um, and they're still doing great work now. So I'm really happy that I had that opportunity with them. That's so cool. And I know you worked with the New Orleans first chief resilience officer, Jeff Hebert, who we've actually had on the show before. So um, glad to see the alums from that office continuing to do great work. Um, so you've been with um, Environmental Defense Fund and our Restore the Mississippi River Delta group for several years now. Um, I like to say that you're kind of the clay that keeps our MRD pottery molded together. So tell us a little bit about your role with our Mississippi River Delta group and um, yeah, just a little bit about your day to day. Yeah. The, I feel like the coolest thing about Restore the Mississippi River Delta is that it is such a partnership between so many different organizations and that have come together so well and created this joint mis- mission to restore Louisiana's coast. And so my job is kind of like you said, is I'm a little bit of like the glue that holds it all together. I coordinate across our like 70 member plus organization. Um, We have several committees that our work falls under. And so I kind of manage all the work that the committees are doing and, you know, maintain a relationship with our funder and work on our reporting, which is sometimes not the exciting side of all the work, but some important behind the scenes stuff. Um, And generally, I like to say, if someone has a question about something about our work, I usually know the answer or I at least know who to ask. So kind of... All sorts of things here and there. And for those who may not uh, have gotten it, um, the pottery and clay reference was in reference to what Katie does in, in her other life, which she's an amazing potter. So tell us a little bit about that and, and kind of, I know you've been kind of trying to keep up with that during this whole period. So tell us about your pottery experience. Yeah, thank you for asking. It's my one of my favorite things to talk about probably, um, but I've been practicing pottery for about seven years now, I actually learned uh, at Loyola. And um, since then, it's just been a love of mine and it's really relaxing, really soothing, of course. And I'm lucky that I'm in a studio with just a couple other people. So I've been able to go throughout this whole stay at home order. And it's been a nice way. I, I have some roommates in my house. So it's a nice way to, you know, get some alone time in. And 
it's just a great creative outlet. Um, my ultimate dream, though, with it is to actually forage wild Louisiana clay and make some pottery out of that because it is a decade, centuries old tradition. And so there's all sorts of like old historical pottery traditions. And I'd love to be part of that by using like clay actually dug from the ground. That is such a cool idea. And I've seen some of the pieces Katie has made and they're just beautiful. And I, I can imagine just being on, on the pottery wheel or whatever you call it, you know, in, in your own space and how relaxing that must be. So if you want to learn more about the amazing Katie Grease, you can check out a blog, Coloring for a Better Coast at MississippiRiverDelta.org. And it kind of is a Q&A with Katie and talks a little bit about her um, work and background and all of those things, which we're going to get to in the next segment, particularly the coloring um, piece, which is why we're here to talk, have you on the show today to talk about. Um, so if you're just tuning in, you can catch us online at deltadispatches.org. Um, catch up on, oh my gosh, Simone, how many shows are we at now? I have, I lost count. One million. There we go. One million shows. Um, you can also find us um, every Thursday on WGSO 990 AM. And we're discussing hurricane preparedness and, you know, just kind of debriefing on our first name storm of the season and what we need to do to stay prepared for what's going to be, it seems like a long season. So um, stay with us. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. Listening to Delta Dispatches, we're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Bear with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore a Retreat. I have the coastal voice of the week. Living in Plaquemines Parish, there are only a few miles of land where I live between the river levee and the gulf levee. I have neighbors and friends who lose land every year due to the diminishing coast. The environment and landscape and its changes very directly affect the lives of the people living in this parish. And that is from Shannon in Buris, Louisiana. Just a reminder, you can add your coastal voice at MississippiRiverDelta.org slash restore dash the dash coast. And we're back with Katie Gruz, campaign manager with Restore the Mississippi River Delta, as well as uh, Environmental Defense Fund, and normally my office mate. Um, and maybe one day we'll get back to that, Katie, but it's still good to hear from you, um, even though we're not physically together. So, Katie, I know you may know this from listening to Delta Dispatches, but we have a tradition of doing a fun question just to get to know our guests a little bit better. And your fun question ties into a recent guest we had on the show. I don't know if you saw, but Dr. Alex Kolker was on after his Fulbright in Morocco. And if I remember correctly, you were recently, uh, I guess last year, on an amazing pottery adventure in Morocco. So I asked Alex, what was the best thing he ate while in Morocco? Because, of course, we love to talk about food on the show. So I want to get your take on that. What was the best thing you ate? And I want to see if they're the same answer. Um, That is a very good question. It's kind of hard to choose just one. Um, I'm going to stall by answering I love. They drink a lot of mint tea in Morocco. And so as far as drinks go, that was really good. I feel like other countries and continents have a really good habit of like afternoon tea breaks. And I wish we did that more here. Um, but otherwise I'd say the best thing that I ate was, 
there was this type of bread in the mornings. It's like a kind of like airy, um, spongy a little bit and light in texture that you would eat in the mornings for breakfast. And I just, I can't remember the name. There were so many types of bread, so it's hard to remember, but it was really good. And if you've been there, you probably know what I'm talking about, but we'd eat it in the morning with like a little jam or a little butter. They had olives at the table for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which I also loved. Um, so those were probably some of my favorite things. The tagines were also amazing. I wonder if that's what Alex said. Um, but yeah, that bread, I just can't remember what it was called. It sounds delicious. And I think we're going to have to do some sort of a, a Moroccan potluck after this. Alex actually said his favorite thing um, were the carrots that he ate. Um, really delicious spiced carrots. So I'm hu- hungry for some Moroccan food after all this. Eat all all these episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Eat olive. <laughs> I saw Simone kind of made a face when I said olives. Do you not like olives, Simone? No. <laughs> no, no, not a big fan of olives. Although I love the idea. Jacques is right. This, this, maybe it's the time that we do the show, but it devolves super quickly into us talking about food a lot. But like the idea of a Moroccan potluck. That's like my jam. I definitely think that maybe is one of our next, um, hopefully one of the next times we get together I, that we get. To I did take like a cooking that. class. So, you know, I could try and bring some of those skills back. We made our own tagines, which are like the clay pot ovens. And so it's, it's a really fun way to cook and very easy, very simple. That's awesome. I love that idea of, of taking a cooking class in a place that you visit. That's a really great idea. It was really fun. <laughs> So, and I know Simone approves of the tea time. Um, so at least we can get some good teas at, at the. Uh, I would like to point well. out, Jacques, she drank mint tea, not spearmint snowballs. Just a little division there. So. <laughs> well, any type of mint um, is refreshing always. And I, I think some of the best tea I've ever had was when I was in Granada in Spain. Um, and it was kind of that similar mint tea. And of course, because the Moorish influence into Southern Spain. Um, I didn't get to go to Morocco, but definitely on my list. So back at the topic at hand, Katie, you were part of uh, an effort um, and you helped kind of produce and develop a new coloring book that explains to kids and, you know, those young at heart um, issues around hurricane preparedness. And it's called It's Always Raining in New Orleans, and it's released just now in time for hurricane season. So tell us a little bit about the book and kind of what it what it covers. Definitely. So this coloring book, we I made this in collaboration with a dear friend and artist. Uh, she is actually from Lafayette, Louisiana, but lives in New Orleans now, actually just a block away from me. Um, her name is Amelia Broussard, and she was the illustrator. Um, I wish I could illustrate that well, but... Uh, I was more of the idea person (laughs) and the writer because this coloring book, basically, it follows a very cute little pelican named Pearl um, as she travels from her wetland home into the city of New Orleans. And along the way, it starts to rain and she gets to see some water infrastructure in action. Then it starts to rain a little harder and she ends up having to shelter in place and then ultimately has to evacuate. And so it kind of walks through the key steps that she needed to take. And also we all need to take in instances like that, when you live somewhere on the coast where, you know, storm, big storms can come in. And so 
We ended up making this in collaboration with the city of New Orleans uh, NOLA Ready office. So they work on emergency preparedness and hurricane preparedness. And so they have a lot of great resources on their website. And it was really fun to create this resource for kids um, so that they could use that when they are hosting events. And, you know, I they pass them out at libraries. I know that. And we made it in the middle of last summer's, maybe when it got printed, but now this year is the first time uh, through our website, Restore the Mississippi River Delta, that we've put it all online so people can print at home since most of what we're doing this year is at home. So we wanted to make sure it was available, even if we're not doing public outreach events. That is so cool. And, you know, I think, you know, People know and, and kind of growing up here or if you have kids, you know, it's sometimes hard to talk about things like hurricanes and evacuation and flooding. And so, but that that education is so important and it's something kids experience, right? So it provides a way to engage them around that while making it fun and educational. And just, I don't know if you know this, but Winnie's, Winifred's middle name is Pearl. So I love that it follows Pearl the Pelican. Um so tell us a little bit, Katie, this isn't the first kind of uh, environmental kind of illustration coloring book you've worked on. You've worked on others before this as well, correct? Yes, this was kind of a second version of an initial coloring book I created. Actually, when I was working at Ripple Effect back in like 2015, maybe, I had the idea to create a coloring book about water infrastructure. So kind of a big, slightly dry topic for kids. And so I actually kind of made like a pilot version of that. And then from there was able to adapt that into this NOLA ready version when their office was looking for something specifically about hurricane preparedness. And so it was really cool getting to like build on the initial idea. Um, And it's been really fun seeing it come to life. And I know this is something you're really passionate about, but um, from your perspective, why is uh, education around the environment and our coast so important? I think it's just really important for kids to know about where they live and where they come from and to know what's unique about their own environment. Living in New Orleans, you know, we are a coastal city, but we're not necessarily like there's not necessarily beaches that kind of make that super obvious. And so through working with Ripple Effect and with kids in other settings here, you know, not, they don't all always realize how close we are to the coast and not everyone has that access. So I think as much as we can teach our kids here about it, it makes them grow up with an idea, a sense of place and kind of some stewardship over that place and hopefully a desire to remain connected to their environment. I think that's a great answer. And I love the products that you've produced with these coloring books. Um, anything, any other coloring books in the works? There is going to be a third coloring book I'm making with Amelia um, with one of our amazing MRD partners, the Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. Uh, they have, you know, they talk a lot about multiple lines of defense as we do. And so very inspired by that concept and wanting to do something a little more connected directly to the coast, you know, and get some more coastal imagery in a coloring book. Um, I'm working with Amelia to... Uh, make a coloring book that walks through each of those lines of defense. So that should be on the presses rolling in another, in another month or so. Um, I'll definitely, of course, y'all will be the first to know. Well, I love it. And we'll definitely highlight it on the show when, when it's out. Um, Well, thank you so much, Katie, for joining. Um, For those who want to access the coloring book, they can go to the Mississippi River Delta.org 
webpage, on our blog, as well as on our Facebook. Um, and and loved having Katie Grews on to talk about that topic and more. And when we'll be back, we'll, we're going to talk some more about hurricane preparedness um, right in the next segment. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. From the bottom of the Marianas Trench, this is ASPN, the American Shoreline Podcast Network. News for the pelagic-minded. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Laws with Restore or Retreat. And continuing with our theme today of being prepared, we are lucky to have with us Miss Ruby Douglas. She is the Section Chief for Preparedness. That's probably a title I would never have, Ruby. <laughs> Chief of Preparedness. Uh, she's from the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. I've lucky, I'm been lucky to be part of some work that Ruby's done so far this year, so I know she's a busy lady. Um, but she's an experienced trainer and strategic planner to mobilize communities to address public health and emergency response needs. Um, she has a master's degree in social work from Louisiana State University, and we're going to talk about how that comes into play with her emergency preparedness preparedness as well. So welcome to Delta Dispatches, Ruby. Oh, thank y'all so much for having me this morning. It's uh, definitely a timely uh, discussion. Yeah, we thought you might be busy. So (laughs) we wanted to check in with you. So have the past couple of days been busy for you? Or is this all just part of the lead up to being prepared? You know, it is really, really part of our jobs. We stay prepared. I mean, prepare is in the preparedness of the the section. But I'll just tell you, in Louisiana, we are definitely accustomed to making sure that we are ready for those natural events. COVID-19 was a little bit uh, different. However, we do have capacities across local and state levels. And it's at our jobs to make sure that we have those relationships, those resources to be able to uh, prepare and mitigate, respond and recover to any circumstances available. So Ruby, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us about your role at GOSEP? Well, I'll just tell you, I have over 28 years in public service experience uh, and of course a licensed clinical social worker, which I think provides me a lot of information and a lot of um, reachability to just regular people. I think it's important that you know the citizens and the communities that you work in to kind of change behaviors and support um, different resources within the field. So I'm very lucky to be at the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness because I think my background provides a lot of uh, expertise and a lot of support to help build up those capabilities on the state and local level. But not only that, we definitely live in a state that is uh, definitely no uh, stranger to hurricanes. We are very experienced. Uh, but we also have uh, vulnerable com- uh, communities within our state. And so it really is something that we need to look at to kind of research and continue to plan more effectively to address those vulnerabilities. So Ruby, you, you obviously work year-round getting this message out because this can apply not just to hurricanes, but other severe weather events, right, such as tornadoes. I think one of the first times we talked, they, we were just on the heels of a North Louisiana weather event, right? So this is just severe weather in general too, right? But it also has a hurricane focus. Exactly. And I'll just tell you, we have various different threats in Louisiana. Uh, you know, flooding is probably our major, flooding and storm surge is probably some of our major uh 
um, threats, but we do have ice storms, we do have mm -hmm. tornadoes. And what we notice about climate change in our, in our country, in our world, is that we are seeing spring weather becoming more significant relative to massive rainfall as well as tornadoes. And so at year-round, go set plans along with the parishes to make sure that we can address those issues to be able to uh, plan and prepare for those weather events when they do occur. So, Ruby, you mentioned it earlier, you know, COVID-19 certainly brings on a whole new layer of being prepared and what to expect. So tell us a little bit about how evacuations and storm prep is different this year with, with COVID-19 in mind. Well, I'll just tell you, it's one of those things that we need to continue to provide good information to people and to make sure that those people that are working with uh, vulnerable communities or at-risk populations, that they truly understand the information. If you look, turn on the news any given time, you're bombarded with so much information regarding uh, COVID-19, the things that you need to do to protect yourself and others from exposure. But sometimes it could be very confusing. Do I wear a mask? Do I wear a mask when I'm only with somebody? Do I wear a mask when I'm in the car? And so I think it's important to make sure that people have good quality information to, so they can plan effectively. We knew relative to our state agencies, what we call our emergency support function uh, leads, to make sure that they have the cap capability to help do their response, but also to make sure that we protect our workforce as well. A lot of people are essential workers and first responders in certain circumstances, so they need to have uh, proper PPE, hand sanitizer, and making sure that they're maintaining uh, precautionary measures. So for this hurricane season, I think the big message is you still need to be vigilant. You need to be vigilant. You need Your preparedness starts at home and it starts at the individual level. So make sure you have your regular emergency supply kits. But this year, make sure you're including your mask, your face covering, hand sanitizer, and just making sure that you still practice that social distance. In this era, we need to consider that everybody is um, COVID positive. Some may have asymptomatic uh, symptoms. And so, you know, they they could be spreading it as well. And so we just wanna make sure that people are taking care of themselves. And it also could mean don't wait until, I mean, we get with hurricanes in um, severe weather, we are very fortunate to have models that tell us and predict. And so this hurricane season, it could be that they need plan more effectively and maybe evacuate earlier, but they need to monitor information and, and heed those local officials so they can make sure that they can protect their what matters to them, their families, themselves, and their property. Yeah, you, you kind of said it there, Ruby, you know, they already declared this to be an active storm season. We've already had three named storms. Uh, Jacques does not want to see Dolly come our way, despite his love of the other Dolly. Um, was this weekend in Crystal Ball a, a good exercise for you guys? Or, or, you know, how do you treat weekends like this past weekend? Um, so early in the storm season um, and, and the threat that it was or, or wasn't? Well, you know, I'll just tell you, it definitely provides a great exercise for us. And if you notice, when we got activated for uh, COVID-19, our state was in the middle of our what we call rehearse of concepts. And that's looking at all our different strategies to respond and making sure that all gaps are met. And we never really had an opportunity to fully exercise that full scale exercise. But Crystal Ball actually provided that for us. And I think it provides us an idea about where we're at and uh, if there's any gaps there. Uh, we are very fortunate that the dry air 
busted up that system enough and moved it and shifted and we didn't have the the rain that we thought we would have but it definitely tells us the things that we if we didn't if we got that dry run for this exercise during a real life event it provides us more opportunities to say what do our citizens need what do our operations need to be more effective and through those processes Ruby, we, you ha- y'all have a ton of resources, and, and there's an upcoming community webinar, which will be a great help to people. But even when I heard the webinar at first, I was just super surprised by just how many resources y'all have, and we want to get into those in great detail. Um, but we're kind of up against a break, and so I just want to keep it really general before um, we dive into the weeds. Um, so tell us where what's a good website, um, where can we find good information um, on, from the state, and open those lines of communication? Well, I'll just tell you, I'm really excited. And I'm sure you heard our governor, Governor Edwards, talk about getagameplan.org. And so I'll just tell you, that is the main hub that provides a lot of utility resources, tips, tools, and and our web-based applications that would be helpful for anybody, users and citizens alike. So that was the one I'd probably echo the most. Really great. Like I said, we have so much more to get into with Ruby Douglas from the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. We wanted to get in, we want to get into those resources when we come back. If Ruby will stick with us. We have a fun question for you, Ruby. It's kind of like a rite of of passage here, too. So prepare yourself for that through the break. (laughs) Um, But we'll be right back with Ruby Douglas. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. On the ASPN Network, coastal news for the pelagic-minded. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. We have our coastal... Yeah, I was just going to say it's our co- time for our Coastal Stat of the Week. Um, and this is from the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. But flooding from storm surge and heavy rainfall are responsible for over 75% of direct fatalities. Water as a whole is responsible for almost 90% of all direct fatalities. So huge reminder to stay safe during these emergency events. Simone, I don't know if you saw, but there were some... Uh, you know, dum-dums swimming in Lake Pontchartrain during Cristobal. I mean, I know it's, you always want to be safe even after a storm. Don't go walk through floodwaters, you know, stay at home. It's, it's, it could be dangerous. So just another reminder to keep yourself and your family safe um, before, during, and after a storm. Yeah, Jacques, you're right. I mean, we were just talking with Ruby Douglas of the Governor's Office of Homeland Security about how dangerous flooding is here in Louisiana, no matter what kind of storms, flooding always seems to be a part of that. And so it's amazing how much we still have to get the message out and remind people about uh, severe weather and, and what comes before and after, and including floods. So, um, well, we are privileged to have Miss Ruby Douglas on the show with us from the Governor's Office of Homeland Security. Ruby, we're talking about kind of physical dangers to storms, but um, there's also a, a mental health stress there too, right? And, and I just really want to get into this with you, especially with your background, Talk about that um, that aspect and how the state's addressing kind of the mental health stress around uh, COVID, around hurricane preparedness, those kinds of things. 
Well, I think that's a, probably a, the biggest one for this because a lot of our citizens have been in isolation for so long. Even when, as the governor has uh, issued orders as we enter in phase two uh, to get be able to have a little bit of less restrictions, it's still very important that COVID is still around. And so the governor's Office of Homeland Security in, a, in partnership with also FEMA and um, the uh, Louisiana Department of Health have uh, submitted as a part of a major project after disaster is declared. The Stafford Act allows a lot of federal resources to come into the state. And so we were able to get uh, through the Stafford Act crisis counseling uh, immediately following the disaster. And of that program, we provided a crisis text line. And I'm really excited about that because as a social worker, I'll tell you, I do like the face-to-face, the interaction, but I'll just tell you, we're living in a different world especially with isolation and a people's ambivalence about do I go to my doctor's appointment or can I maintain that connectivity? So we, uh, the crisis text line provides a 24-7 free and confidential access to a crisis counselor. I like it that it's 24-7. And the, the text capability is really more unique because we find that 60% of people that utilize it actually tell um, communicate more um, openly through the text because they don't have to have that direct confrontation. So, or they seem to feel like they're being judged in some capacity. But I think that uh, it really provides a great opportunity. And those citizens can text out, reach out, that's all caps all together to 741 741. That's text reach out, all caps all together uh, to 741 741. And they'll get immediately access to a crisis, trained crisis counselor. I love that idea, Ruby, and and we'll share that on on some of the resources that we have through uh, Restore Retreat and and Restore the Mississippi River Delta campaign. So I think that's an important aspect to cover. But you're right, it's definitely a different day and time, and and y'all have a cool app, right, for Get a Game Plan. Um, And so tell us about Get a Game Plan, about disaster supply kits, emergency plans, some of those resources we should already be thinking about. Well, of course, you know, I always say preparedness is more than just tuna fish and peanut butter. I think Louisiana citizens definitely know that you need to have non-perishable. You need to have at least uh, bottled water for everybody. Uh, and, I, and I'll just tell you, we usually say the first 72 are on you. So what do you have as a part of maintaining? Because the first thing that goes out, the thing that I probably hate the most is the AC goes out. And so uh, Ruby, Ruby Douglas likes the AC. And so you make sure that you're understanding what do you what survive on whether that's batteries that's lanterns uh you know definitely food supplies but another big thing that we often forget about because we're so accustomed to you know just regular normal creatures or habit is making sure your 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 medication stays maintained and so i know in a lot of disasters 19 they allowed for uh 30 day supplies even 90 day supplies of medication so that's important to make sure that you have that uh, as well as other preparedness strategies, as first aid kit is also good. But also, as a social worker, I have to also think about our folks that may have capability issues, whether you're dealing with a child with special needs or uh, you're dealing with an infant. Those are additional supplies that you need to make sure you have on hand. Uh, for working with kids with autism or some other ch- behavioral challenges, keeping them informed and a part of the process because their routine is going to be split up. So it's important to make sure that you have that conversation and making sure that uh, those kids have their comfort creatures, whether it's a pillow that they like or a book of activities that they do, whether that's coloring books, 
those are some unique things. But I have to also remember that you need to maintain ahead of time just financial records. Uh, if you can do those on a flash drive or store them in another uh, um, family member's house or a safety, whatever, safety security box, those are some things that uh, are very valuable at the time. And I can't also stress enough that, you know, right now we're, we're looking at them. If you're in Louisiana with a driver's license with LA on it, you're living in a flood zone. We know that even though you're not impacted by a coastal area, a regular rain event can cause massive inputs of water. And so we'd also encourage people to look at their uh, insurance coverage, know their insurance agent, and really talk about um, those issues. You know, Ruby, it's such a good point, And it's something that I think, you know, we've had to talk about and remind people. I mean, in terms of the ways people can flood in Louisiana, of course, we've got, you know, hurricane storm surge. We've seen, you know, in the Baton Rouge area, the flooding from rivers and streams, and then as well as kind of extreme rainfall, right? So we have water coming at us in um, every direction, and and you don't always have, uh, you know, that warning, especially with some of these extreme rainfall events. So, I mean, do you think it's important that people are constantly aware and prepared even outside of hurricane season? Oh, absolutely. I'll just tell you, a a big part of my preparedness thing is to make sure that you're maintaining a good weather station, whether it's local news that you maintain. A lot of folks are so accustomed to the day and age of the iPhone and the the smartphones, Uh, making sure you have those good information weather alert apps to help you stay informed. It's more than just making sure you have umbrella. Because, you know, it's, am- it's, it's amazing when you think about different flash flooding that happen in a regular rain event. It also can affect your commute. You can flood your car. Uh, you know, we del- definitely tell people, um, turn around, don't drown, uh, not, not to go through the water. But here, here's the thing. We still have people that are, lives are being lost and those are preventable. And so it's important to stay informed throughout the year. I think every day is a this activity that you need to engage yourself in, whether it's your family having that discussion, including your kids in that process, and also looking out for those elderly neighbors or, you know, uh, homebound people that are living in your neighborhood. It's important important that we include a unified approach to preparedness. Yeah, Ruby, there's a unified shelter plan across the state, right? But y'all also make deals with other states just in case that's needed as well, too, right? So it kind of, you got to think bigger than that, right? Depending on the size of the disaster that's coming our way. Absolutely. We do have host state agreements for when we do evacuations. However, this season is going to be a little bit different because those host states are dealing with COVID um, impact to pandemics that we are. And so what our state has been doing is to make sure that we have a unified shelter plan and our um, emergency support function six, which is over mass care, and community partners and other national partners are making sure that we have shelter capacity to meet the needs of those evacuated. Yeah, I also want to give a plug to individual parishes that share their own information as well. I know uh, Terrebonne Parish has um, their own text alert system, business reentry, and Terrebonne actually does phased evacuations. We heard a little bit about that over the weekend, um, about how they have evacuation plans. Uh, Their website is uh, TOSEP, which is T-O-H-S-E-P.com. Lafouche Parish also has emergency notifications. They You can apply for tiered reentry for business 
businesses. And I thought this was really interesting, Ruby. Um, you can sign up for evacuation with your pets. I know a lot of people um, don't want to evacuate because they're worried about pets or they um, are having to, they leave them, right? And they're concerned about that. Also, Jefferson Parish has quite a bit of resources. They have a hurricane preparedness guide, a community alert system, and the citizen awareness. And that information is on jeffparish.net. So, so Ruby, before we um, have to wrap this segment, can you go through um, the text line again, um, the information for Get Again Plan, all of those places where we can find that information? Definitely go to www.getagameplan.org. That is really like a central hub for a lot of information, a lot of resources. Also, the crisis text line is text reach to 71. I'm sorry, 741-741. And we even have a COVID, Conquer COVID19.LA website and Facebook page that provides a lot of unique information of hurricane planning during a pandemic. So those are some great resources that you need to look at. Definitely, definitely. And we also, uh, again, want to plug, you're going to do a, another another webinar for us, Ruby. Thank you very much. Um, and it is going to be uh, an event on Facebook, on the Restore Mississippi River Delta Facebook page. We'll share that information and that will be next week. So we have a fun question, Ruby, just because um, no matter what the topic is, we like to know our guests a little bit. Um, and we like to find out a little bit more about them. This is our standard question, um, but I cannot tell you how much we learn about people. And I actually had a conversation uh, with somebody just this week, rather randomly, who was listening to the podcast about it. Um, so it is summertime. Uh, today is supposed to be very, very hot, again, despite um, some of the bad weather we had over the weekend. But um, we like to eat snowballs here. Um, and so... Are you a a snowball person? And B, what is your favorite snowball? There's no absolutely a good Louisiana girl is a snowball person. I'll just tell you, clear strawberry because I've gotten older and I can't handle all the red on my face. But it has to have lots of cream. So I'll just tell you that's my go-to, and uh, I think that there should be. Uh, I think that they should do drive-through more drive-through. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer, Ruby. Um, so Chip Klein, who's over in the governor's office uh, for, for CPRA, Coastal Activities, he's a strawberry guy. And so we'll have to tell him maybe it's time for him to move to the clear strawberry, <laughs> too. Well, but he might enjoy the red on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I love him to death, but Jacques's a spearmint guy. And so I just can't let that go. It's just amazing to me that we're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> refreshing i don't know what else to say <laughs> i promise i'll stop talking about it i promise uh well ruby thank you again for being with us thank you for being part of our community webinar that we're going to have next week again you can find that information on the facebook page jacques you have anything you want to say before we sign off no another great show and thank you so much ruby um as well as to katie for helping us uh be informed and prepared this hurricane season and we're hoping you and your family stay safe and prepared and, and healthy. Um, and so we'll be back next week on Delta Dispatches. Thanks for listening.